What's up, guys? I'm glad you're here. My name is Drake, and you're listening to the Double Click Podcast by Holy Hill Media. So today's episode, I have a an awesome guest, a good friend of mine, Jake Huber, co-owner of Splice House in St. Louis. Uh, man, this guy has uh, grown his production house um, exponentially in short time. Uh, but he's no rookie to the game. He's been freelancing for a long time. Um, even won an American regional Emmy for his amazing work. Um, looking forward to getting into this conversation with him. Uh, today's conversation will be built around scaling as a creative, managing creatives, and uh, all things entrepreneurship. You and I, man, we've been we've been connected now for how long? I want to say over a year now, I probably have connected with you through LinkedIn, I believe. Uh, last year, we ha- we hopped on a call. I think it was this time last year, January. And we may have been connected before, like commenting on, I don't know. But like that was the first time we hopped on a call and, and talked for the first time. That was like right after we launched Splice House. Yeah, man. And since you have, man, it's just been, it's been awesome seeing... I mean, honestly, the the, mo- the two most admirable things about Splice House, from my perspective, man, if I can uh, kiss some butt for a second, is your leadership and your guys' production, man. Like, the, what you guys are doing is awesome, and it's kind of been a reference point for us to uh, look up to, honestly, in, in full transparency, and try to model, um, you know, our our next step after. And um, and and again, your leadership too, man. You know, we've we've talked a lot about. Uh, what it looks like to scale an agency and for you a production house and uh, leadership is obviously a huge part in that especially when we're working with creative so tell us a little bit about yourself man how did you get into what you're doing now and uh, how did splice house come to be yeah man i really appreciate that i know i don't really even think about anybody looking up to me or splice house or any of it like we're just kind of rolling and we're in the moment we're we're still very young i mean splice house was such an organic Thing that happened because I, I've been freelance my whole life. I took one full-time job. I came back to freelance. And then just out of necessity, things were growing so fast. And, and I was, you know, in 2021, before we launched, I was probably, I don't know, 75% direct to client as a freelancer. And that's like hard to, uh, hard to sustain for one individual person. And so it was just kind of like, actually, this was actually happening towards the end of 2020. And I was already starting to think about like, what's the next move? Like, where do I go? Like, do I I kind of always wanted a company? I didn't, I didn't think that I could do it at certain, certain times in my life, because I actually struggled through school, like my whole life. And and I thought everybody else was going to be successful. And here I am like trying to figure out my life and, and then it just kind of clicked because I struggled with so many different things that like I figured out how the creative works and I started leaning into that and I love it. And so that passion and I always had the work ethic just combining just kind of like just just worked. And so, yeah. And and so it just really became a necessity thing where it was like either I got to slow down, I got to like join another brand or company 
and get bought out to some degree and work full time, or I got to build my own thing. And at the end of the day, I love building brand. I, I knew I, even though I had only b- built my personal brand, JQ Media, I loved the concept of like thinking about all the things we've talked about with like the organization and, and the, the logo design and like seeing all that come to life. The idea to like execution is just something that was like innate in me. And I, and I must say too, that like I've been part of a lot of organizations or companies where even as a freelancer, where I maybe didn't have the skill set to run that company by any means or anything like that. But I always saw things that from an operational side of things where I'm like, I would do this a little differently. I think this could grow this company, but I wasn't in a position or uh, I didn't have enough experience at the time to ever really do that. And here I am now where I can make those decisions. And and that I'm really proud of because I I love that. And, And that's probably how I, yeah, that's, that's the short answer. If I, if I will. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, it's been exciting to see you grow and you know, there's, there's so many things that I want to dissect in what you just said, but, um, one, one of the biggest ones is just growing a brand. You know, I think there's so many people who can say they enjoy growing a brand, but working freelance or even, you know, for a company agency production house, um, and then actually creating a business, not just freelancing, but with a team, you know, you, you've got, you know, five employees that are working, uh, either with you or for you right four. now. I got a business partner. Are... Oh, that's right. That's right. Sorry. 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 I can't do him dirty yeah. like that. Um, but you know, it's, it's completely different growing a brand of your own, right? Because it's from scratch and you're completely responsible. And at the end of the day, anything that goes wrong, even if it is an employee, it comes back to you, right? So tell me a little bit about growing Splice House because you guys have grown exponentially. I see you guys on uh, videos of you guys on stages, uh, the the podcast, you know, obviously you've caught my eye. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the the growth from, you know, inception of Splice House to where you guys are at now. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, we're still in the early stages and last year was kind of crazy, but I had metrics from being a freelancer, the like year over year growth uh, from 2019 to 2020, uh, thinking that 2020, like everything, the world was going to end, the world shut down all my jobs that I, 2020 was like, oh my God, this is going to be a crazy year. And then right then it, bam, it just stopped. And I was like, what do I do? Luckily, I mean, I, I'm good about saving money. I don't spend a lot of money. I'm not, I don't really ever even, I'm not like driven by the money. I'm driven by the passion. So like I was kind of built for things to slow down because it gave me time to reflect and think. And, um, and then things picked right back up. And again, the year over year growth to like 2021, what I was doing just as, like I said, 75% probably direct to client and total revenue. If you really combine all the money, it was probably more than that um, with the direct to client work. And I was bidding jobs. I wasn't just getting hired like a freelancer. So again, it just was like, the scaling part was how do, what do I do next? Um, like there's a product market fit here for the style of production that I'm doing. And that's how I fell into, you know, having a business partner because I knew him and he did the same style of production. And so does my brother. And it was just like, maybe I can combine these forces and expand and scale upon what I'm doing because what I was doing by myself wasn't scalable. I was pretty much tapped out. I was burnt out. I was everything that that book you sent me, the E-Myth 
was t talking about at that time. So I thought I was getting away from that by starting the business. Then I learned that you go through that again. So, um, and, and so if we were talking specifically about scaling splice house, like we started me, Levi and my brother, Adam, January 1st and went all in. And then, you know, we're, we started rolling and by, I don't know, it was probably May, May, I don't know, June when we talked and you were calling me about some creative stuff. And then I just hit you with some questions and you were like, here, here's what, here's what's up. I think you're, you know, I got to send you this book. You got to think about this. Like you should be focused on your cash flow, not your cash reserves. And that was actually a huge shift. I appreciate that. Thank you for that. Um, I think Absolutely, it's, man. I think that's important. And I, and I appreciate this about you too, that as a business owner or any, just in a, as a human, like we should be open-minded and we should be looking to learn and grow. And we should be like open to hearing that. And I know you in that conversation, you were like, I don't want to offend you. And I was like, no, 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 like you won't. Like I can go and take that information and decide what I want to do with it. Like it's, it's not going to offend me. This, I love critical feedback. I need it. And I, and I hate when people don't give me critical feedback and it's so difficult when it's like, friends and family or even coworkers that want you know oh this video like it looks the video looks great and it's like do you really think it looks great like don't tell me it looks great because i need we need to like push each other so i'm all about that and i and i've and i know early earlier you know stages in life the critical feedback was probably a lot harder to take but now i'm like no that's how i that's how we learn and grow so 100%, yeah man. so scaling was just about finding the right, I mean, we, again, it was so organic and the product market fit, we already knew was there. And, and so just being, not being the, the same style as everybody else and building something a little bit more unique. And that's just kind of where we're at now. And we're just trying to figure out the next step of this in year two. Yeah. And you, I think you guys are killing it, man. I think to, to your point in, in, in the conversations that we we've had, um, you know, we're kind of bouncing off of each other saying like, Hey, I have this problem. And you're like, Hey, I have this problem. And it's, it's funny because I feel like we, <laughs> each of us have the opposite problem and, and then each of us are like doing really well in the other, uh, you know, the other aspect. And so the conversations we've had, man, I can tell you this, like, you know, you hit the nail on the head and saying critical, um, what was the phrase critical feedback, critical feedback, man. I don't, I, that might be, that might be the the phrase of the year. I didn't come up with feedback. that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give you credit, man. Who are you gonna yeah. quote? Go ahead and tell me who I, you got. I don't know. I mean, I, I actually I don't know. Maybe Rob Deerdeck. Yeah, uh, like maybe I don't know. <laughs> I he's legitimately him and Joe Rogan are the only podcast I listen to. Right yeah, now. I started listening to Rob Deerdeck last week, and and honestly, that shift that I had last year with after talking to you, I just, we just had another breakthrough moment when I was listening to him. Cause he's one of the most incredible entrepreneurs. I've appreciated him as a, and sorry, we're going off topic, but I've appreciated him as a human okay. being and a creative. And that's the cool thing. Like Gary Vaynerchuk, somebody like that, great entrepreneur, but something about Rob Deerdeck, he's got the storytelling aspect to it as well. And it's just amazing. And I'm like, you know, that's just, yeah. So anything he says, I'm like all ears. Same. He he has this perspective where, uh, you know, he explains in a lot of his interviews and just a lot of the content he has out there that you want to envision where you want to be and then you want to reverse engineer that life. 
what things are in line with that life and then the other things let them go like they don't matter because if it's not in line with where you want to be they gotta they gotta die today and that's so relevant to a business owner man and so using that i want to transition to the question man what's it like for you to to manage creatives because you know so many conversations you and i have had have been like what do the systems look like? What does management look like? What are processes and procedures look like? And you've been awesome to uh, to share those with me early on before you even made any of those public so we can kind of just see what you guys are doing and the magic that you're creating with those. Um, tell me what that's like, man, because cr managing creatives can be difficult at times because how independent and how much creatives wear their heart on their sleeve. How do you manage them and how do you implement systems with people who typically don't like boundaries? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, luckily, we're a small enough team that we're still doing a lot of the creative right now. Like I'm I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm technically, our titles don't really mean anything because we do a lot. I mean, they do and we're starting to lean into them more, but on the website, I'm creative director and I do lean into that role, but I'm also head of post-production so the the post-production side of things which we pulled me off production a lot more and levi and adam are more leading the charge on that so it's me and our our editor carson are working on the post-production and so because it's such a small team and we can rely on each other so well i don't have to really i'm not managing my business partner and adam is so skilled that you know we're learning from him too like he's amazing at lighting so we're all just helping each other right now um and then carson you know we've been training her and i've been working with her and she's she's just coming further and further to the point where she's going to be head of post production and then the next person in line she'll be training and that's where what we talk about with like the scaling aspect that's why i think the standard operating procedures are so important that those are in place and that when it's time for us to bring on the next editor carson knows what she needs to do to get that person into the splice house mix and understand what we're doing and part of that is like having a procedure already set a standard and so you know that's why i really love that because i i mean i i've, I've been to places where I've walked in and like the onboarding process, it's like they didn't even know I was coming that day. And I'm like, this is my first day of work. I'm like, you know what? Nobody knew I was coming. Like, I don't have a document I can review. I don't have like a, a standard process for like what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm just going to figure this out. Of course, your onboarding process could take six months then. I mean, like, it's crazy. Yeah. And if I could, and if I could yeah. interject to that to your point really quick, I apologize for interrupting, but you know, how, that that entry point for somebody to understanding culture and process for a new hire that is so important because honestly like the quicker you and, and man I, I forget who told me this so i can't take credit for it but the quicker that an employee can gain momentum the more that you can expect them to be a lifelong employee uh, and how, how quickly can we give them momentum? I think we do a disservice. You're entirely right by bringing on new employees or even contractors and saying, hey, just figure it out, sink or swim, you know, and I've had to, I've had to learn uh, to be better at that as well. But having structured entry and then expectations actually removes so many of the headaches of those three months growing pains of, of, of a new hire. If you could speak a little bit more to that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you're a hundred percent accurate. I mean, I, I think I, I think you just hit it the nail on the head. I think 
it's exactly what I was just saying. And I, I agree. I think the growth of that person could maybe make them want to stay longer. It's also going to allow them to make more money because it should be making the business grow because it's taking time. You know, you even said that to me, you're like, Hey, and that was what the book was talking about. It's like, you know, the E-Myth, the E-Myth Revisit, just to throw it out there for anybody listening. Uh, that book was basically like, you might be good at technical skills, but that doesn't mean that you should still be doing those. Like, And Rob Deerdex says this, like, you want to get out of that those some of those tasks that other people can do as quickly as possible. And that's the scaling process. And it's hard when you're creative, when you're doing all the work, like someone like me that shoots and edits. And I got to this position because people liked what I was doing. And now it's like, I'm shooting less. And it's like, do, am I okay with that? And I have to be okay with that. Otherwise, why did I start a business? Why didn't I just like go get a full-time job? And, and that's totally fine too. It's just that that's not what I wanted. And so that was that mind shift change that we had, but yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I hope I'm answering that question, but I, I think we, yeah, I think 100%. we've, I think you and I have already answered it right there that it's just like those standard operating procedures are important and the growth. But again, for us, if I'm going backtracking, we haven't hired as much on the creative side. Carson was our first hire of the year last year, 2022. Um, and we decided that we needed the account management side of things. The account side of things was the first place that we were like, okay, those are tasks that are not creative. And those are tasks that are slowing us down. So if we, if we're going to keep growing, let's help, let's get help on the account side. And then, and then we'll worry about the creative side because we can do the creative. But if we're doing the account side and we're just hiring creatives, like now I'm doing the account role, but I'm a creative and I can't manage the creative then because I'm I'm, you know, doing bids all day or I'm, I'm responding to emails. So that was when we talked and I, we hired the project manager. And at that point, I mean, we, it changed everything. It was just like our, our system, the systems we put in place. Now we use ClickUp for all our jobs. And then we have job numbers, the organization, our project manager is on those discovery calls. She's the one that's hopping off those discovery calls and then creating those bids. And now I'll, all I'm doing and my business partner are doing is reviewing those bids and we're approving them or, you know, saying like, what we are we thinking about this? And then she's the one in communication through the process till the job is awarded. Once the job's awarded, and this was the last hire we made uh, back in November was the producer. The job gets handed to the producer. Now she's introduced to the client and she's handling all of the communication for our production team. And then once the production's going, she's still following that through to me as the post-production you know, supervisor. So that side of things, you it's unbelievable how much on the on the production side where we're creatives and we're out shooting and we're getting emails about current jobs or new emails and it's really hard to balance that and that's the burnout phase where it's like we knew right away account account side that's where we're going and and it was it wasn't as clear to me and even Levi and I were kicking around like what which do we want a lead editor that was at one point in the year we were like lead editor and then I talked to you and and read that book and I was like project manager and then we went back to lead editor and we were really going to push for that but then this perfect producer who was available that we've known from the past was actually a past client was like no I kicked I, I actually another thing about business is empowering your employees so 
Carson was an editor and she was coming a long way, but she wasn't at the time ready to take on the lead editor role. So if we had hired that lead editor role, it actually would have prohibited her. And this was something I debated. And I talked with Levi and I was like, I don't like this. I, that's not rewarding to her. She's doing so well and she can do this. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to take that role. I'm going to empower her and I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep working with her. And the producer, we're going to go for that. And that, it was just kind of like, we were just figuring it out as we go. But I, I'm luckily, luckily we made the right decisions. And also it was really hard for us to find a lead editor at that time anyway. So just, it was like the stars were aligning and yeah. So I think that, I think that's all I can say as far as managing creatives, uh, Oh, the only other thing I would add that I, I kind of talked about before we hopped on this, uh, call or this, uh, podcast was we are pretty much fully remote and that is a little bit more challenging from a creative aspect this was a breakthrough we actually just had this week was you know how am I supposed to be empowering the creatives or working together in full collaboration and so that's something we're making a shift in uh as as of right now so that's our next phase of really playing into our roles and moving back into a true hybrid scenario. We didn't actually design this to be remote. It just, it just worked out that way. And we really truly value the culture that we create. And so part of that is the flexibility, but I just think remote is, is too much. So I'm kind of in, I'm kind of torn between both right now. Yeah. Well, I think it's so important for entrepreneurs to know when to hire and where to hire. And I think that is, you know, a lesson that I feel like I learned pretty early, but mainly because of a mentor, Ben Icewander. I mentioned him like three times on this podcast now, but ultimately like that, that decision right there comes really down to being, being able to locate the, the pain point. And, you know, as you guys said, it wasn't necessarily the creative aspect that you guys were in need of. It was that project management. And, 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 you know, there's, I was on a call last week and, uh, sorry, two weeks ago, and um, it's a solopreneur. Uh, she has, uh, she's an asp- aspiring to have an agency right now. She's freelancing, and she's like, "When do I hire?" And I say, I told her that you you have to essentially hire when your potential profit is at risk. You know, are we growing in a way that if I don't hire soon, we're risking potential growth opportunity? Mm-hmm. And that comes down to a time sensitive thing, right? Where the pain point gets to the you know, to, to a place where you have to decide is is it going to now hinder our growth if we don't but the other part is not just when but where to hire like you said you knew you needed somebody because things were getting a little too full but where was that pressure valve where was the release of steam to where you guys continue can, can continue to operate operate effectively but you did need some sort of solution right and what you realized was the pain point was the project manager, like you, like you said. And so it's interesting to see that because that is such a delicate part of business. And I think some of the, the biggest uh, risk and downfall of, of small business is people hiring too fast or in the wrong positions. And, you know, you hit the nail on the head referring again, back to the E-Myth Revisited. Um, and honestly, like it, I'll say this, if, if if you if if you're listening to the podcast right now, that's something that you, and you've never read the E Myth, and um, I'm probably gonna regret saying this, but 
and you want that book, DM me. And if, <laughs> and if I know that you're subscribed to the podcast, I will probably most likely buy you the book and ship it he to you. He did it. He you sent uh, it to me, I'm, man. I was shocked, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad you read it, man. I was like, is he going to read this or not? But I knew that book and that information in that book was exactly where, you know, that's where the fork in the road was for you. And so I'm, I'm glad it helped well, you, man. It's, it's helped me exponentially. No, yeah, I was going to say, I, I, that book showing up on my doorstep and opening that up, was like really told me what kind of person you are. And I'm like, as a, as a business owner and what you're doing, I'm like, this guy doesn't just like talk. He, he said he was going to send the book. There's a lot of people that are, I'll get to that. Yeah, I'll do that. And it's like, no. And I'm like, he did it. I'm like, he bought the book and sent it to me. I'm like, awesome. I have to read this thing. Like, <laughs> if you told no, me I just to go it. read it, maybe I wouldn't have done it. But you, you putting that on my doorstep was like, man, out of respect, I have to read this, whether or not I want to or not, because I hate reading. And, and that book was a great read. And it's funny because halfway through the book, all I, I really, I think there was a portion towards the end where it was like, I'm just finishing the book to finish the book. But I was like, all I want to do is execute now. I know what I have to do. The book made sense. I understood it. And so it was just like, you know, but yeah, thank you for doing that. And uh, if you're going to send a book to all your uh, followers, man, uh, awesome. <laughs> I know. Like, I got to put in some sort of like qualifying. Yeah. Like, you have to be subscribed to the podcast. Follow us on every social platform. Yeah. No, but I appreciate that, man. And and I, I love that. I mean, honestly, I think it's so important to find people in a similar industry or honestly, anybody who's just even willing, you know, to, to be able to, again, bounce ideas off of troubleshoot with vision cast with man. And I can tell you that, you know, and, and to, to echo back and sing songs of praise for you, man, you've, you've, you've helped me align with so much. And I, I admire and respect the fact that you read the book and you immediately put it into action, man. There's so many people who read it, they're excited about it, but they talk about it and then they're satisfied. They don't do anything about it. That's not you at all. And I can tell, man. And, you know, within, I want to say within three weeks of, of you getting that book, you had processes and procedures in my email yeah. to, 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 to look at and to, to compare with ours. And I do, I admire that, man. I really appreciate that. What's crazy about that is, uh, I've never seen a process doc in my life. And I thought I was doing something that other people didn't do because I've been freelance. And then I suddenly saw like my fiance worked for monster energy drinks. She's like, Oh yeah, we had process docs. I'm like, okay, okay. Oh, Oh, that makes sense. I'm like, how would you run a big corporation without this? But I somewhat thought I was doing something unique. But then again, a lot of small businesses don't implement this. And because you can get away, you can get away with it. I mean, we don't have to have process docs right now. We're small enough. I They certainly help. Nobody in the team right now is necessarily use, utilizing these. But you have those reference you can go back to. And when we do hire, they're going to be crucial because I don't have to then think the steps are the guidelines there. Like I don't have to think about, Oh wait, I forgot about this one thing to talk about. And like, and then you're just piecemealing everything together. So yeah, I mean, it, it just was, I was reading that book and things were clicking and it was like franchise model. I'm like, okay, here's how we can do this. Like it just, it, it wasn't just like I was reading it. And I was like, Oh, that's great. And then I just go back to doing what I was doing. That's, that makes no sense. So <laughs> hundred percent, man. And you know, the, the book, it's, it opened up this, this perspective. Uh, and I think you could probably, uh, say the same, but if you can create a process that produces the quality of work that you are expected to create as splice house, you have then become 
honestly a good entrepreneur, a, a great business owner, because if you can put context to what what is the most valuable part of the business and put it on paper, now all of a sudden you can teach. Now all of a sudden your hiring process looks different. We just need somebody with potential because we have the process to create and pull that out of them. And two, it also, especially when you're early on, it saves you a ton of time and energy to be able to say, hey, this document shows you a lot. And on top of that too, when you're at a place, you know, when, you know, we're, we both, we're both young, right. In, in business, right. You're two, there's two years, right. Going, it's second year. For second you. year. Yep. And for us, we're going into our fourth year and we just having our third year anniversary at the end of this month. And, um, it means so much to be able to create a structure that breeds a trajectory for the culture that you want to inject into your business. Like it, it's, it's almost like a, um, like a, a physical, if you would, like a test, a qualifier. If you can align with these processes and procedures, that's going to set a great foundation to build upon to be a successful employee in Splice House or Holy Hill Media. And so they're so important. And so uh, I want to pivot a second just because I think there's a valuable part to, to go back to that you mentioned earlier. Um, you you know, and you've mentioned a few times now, you've been a freelancer. You were a freelancer for how long? Well, I, w- I probably freelanced for seven years consistently, full-time job, one okay. year, and then I guess three years of freelance. Yeah, about three years of freelance again. Came back to it. Okay. Yeah. So about 10 years total, you freelanced. And I think that's a huge conversation to be had because there's a lot of creatives out there, not necessarily just in uh, video production, but also photo, uh, graphic design, copywriters, um, it, tattoo artists, anybody, right? So many, so many people are freelancing in the creative world. Like I, to be honest with you, when I think of freelance, my mind immediately goes to a creative industry. And, um, I, I think there's a vital transition that goes on from freelancing to running, to starting a business. And I kind of want to see, um, what that process was like for you and what the decision was, because you said, uh, and I wrote it down because it's so powerful, but you said freelancing, I could not scale. I knew I needed, I'm paraphrasing, but more or less, you knew you needed a team to reach the goals that you wanted to reach. Talk to me about the process of going from freelance to business owner and what that decision process was like. Let me, uh, there's so many things I feel like I'm, hold on here. Let me think about this. Because you're good. Because you you you're right. I mean, well, and one thing I want to touch on, Jaycuber Media was my LLC as a freelancer, and so I ran it like a business, but it was a you know sole proprietor, single single L, single person LLC. I didn't have anybody else with me, so managing money and all that is is very different. Not you know, <laughs> obviously you know payroll and all these other costs, and I'm like I, yeah, so. Let me so let me think about this. And a better question might to might be when you decided to go from freelance to business owner because you knew that there was scale there was the scalability was limited as a freelancer, you had to decide to to, to enter into a whole new world. Was was there nervousness? Was there hesitation? How long was that? Uh, consider did that consideration last like what did that process look like yeah no no it was like for sure like I 
I didn't, I, when I went back to freelance initially after the full-time job, I was just like, I had nothing lined up. I had given up all the freelance that I had done the seven years prior, but it looked very different because most of that was working with one photographer and it wasn't even video. I was moving halfway through that. I was moving into video, took a job in video, came back and I didn't have anything lined up. I was just like in full hustle mode mode. I was like, when people are sleeping, I'm going to be working. Nobody's going to know how much stuff I'm going to be doing because I'm I'm going to I'm going to get better just by doing so much. And and I was I, I honestly burnt myself out pretty quickly because I ne- I had my camera with me everywhere I went, even on vacations. I wasn't really present with my now fiance, and I, I I've gotten much better about that now. But I was just in like full like I I have to do this this is what I want to do and right then it was just like making a successful freelance career it wasn't really intentionally trying to become a a business owner but things were growing and then I I started getting more work and then it became direct to client then I was bidding jobs and then I'm like what happened was I actually jumped on a call with an agency after I did I did a video for an agency and they knew each other, these two agencies. So this, this new agency called me and hopped on a call, wanted to talk about the video. They liked it and they wanted to talk about my process. And they're like, so what'd you do on this video? They're like, did you, 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 uh, are, were you a DP? Like what role did you play in? And I was like, I did, a, I did it all. I shot it. I edited it. And even though the conversation was great, I could tell that that's not how that agency wanted to work. They wanted to, to have, they wanted to have specialists. They wanted the DP to not be the director, to not be the producer, to not be the editor. They wanted talent from different aspects. And I think in that conversation, I realized, okay, that's not really what I want to be. But I also realized that they probably may have taken that as I'm not a collaborative person because some people may be like that. Like I, I can't work with other people. So they do it all themselves, which is not at all what I was. I'm like the most collaborative person. I don't want to do everything by myself. It just was out of necessity and the way things were going. And after that conversation, I was like, well, what, what do I do to change that? Because Jay Cuber Media is limited. That's my name. And maybe, and people build companies off their name, but I just felt like every brand, I couldn't, not only could I not scale um, to like having more collaboration, but I didn't feel like I could scale to where I could look serious enough in front of like bigger brands. And so I was like, maybe if I, if I put the right people, if I get, if we do this right, and I have a legitimate looking brand, then people don't think about it that way. And I'm truly in the collaboration, which is what we are now. Like I, we are, Splice House is so much better than what Jay Cuber Media was. And like, not to say I was bad, but I'm just saying like that I have really talented people around me now pushing me every day and I'm pushing them and, and, and we're growing together. So I think I just wanted that. I, I just, I didn't necessarily... And at times I, this week is one of those times I question whether or not I ever wanted to get into business. I, I wonder if you ever do that. Cause I'm like, why the hell did I do this? Especially in the creative service industry. What am I thinking? Like why? hundred <laughs> percent. You know, it's funny you say that, man. We, I had a conversation with my wife, uh, about a, you know, not, not about a week ago. And, uh, 
hundred percent I've had those questions, man. Just like, what am I doing? And <laughs> the, the cool the cool part about it is this, man. The cool part about it is when you have a team, that question stops. Be, it, the, the, the thought comes to mind, but it doesn't last as long. Because when it's by when you're by yourself, inherently, the, the burden is yours to bear. Now, as an owner, of course, and a co-owner uh, in your situation, like, yeah, of course, the the, the, the situation, it, it still comes on your shoulder and, and your partner as well. However, you're exactly right. With the creative industry, it's even more of a pain sometimes because so many people have opinions, including clients, and it's all subjective. And then as much as there's creative, there's also systematic approach to business. And then it's like, how do you mesh the two? How do you manage? There's so much, man. It's complicated, but it's beautiful. And I ask the question probably once a week, man, like, what am I <laughs> doing? Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm 28. And so 95% of the people that I work with um, like our team is very young, but 95% of the clients that we work with are, you know, I don't know, my elders. <laughs> so it's like the conversation ends up being a pain point often. But, um, you know, I, I also think to, to, to that point, there's something that happens every time that you have to question whether or not like, you know, because at the end of the day, what it is, it's a stress point, right? I hit a peak. Right. And I'm like, you're, we're just venting. We're complaining, right? Because it's tough, but we know what we want. But there's something about coming back down that hump of stress, that, that, that peak of stress that affirms even greater how bad you actually want it. And it almost insulates the vision, the goal, the, the, um, the, the, the motive, the, the power in which you move. And I, I almost love the, the fact that these, these peaks happen nowadays, because I understand that they create perspective, gratitude, and honestly, like power and motivation. So, um, you know, that said, I want to, I want to, I want to ask you uh, a couple more questions, but one specifically, I, I had listened to a podcast clip that you guys had posted on LinkedIn recently and you had mentioned not taking a pay for, uh, you know, up to two months when you when you guys first started. Three, Three months. months. Three months. There you go. Yeah, the whole first quarter of last year. And yeah. that that sucks, man. And I don't think a lot. I think a lot of people see entrepreneurship as it's it's sexy, it's cool, it's fun, it's independent, it's powerful. No, I mean to be honest with you, the first six months and sometimes and like and even in our case like the first year is brutal it is brutal it was brutal the first six months was brutal man yeah i mean you're waiting on money for so long and and you know we didn't start with a ton of capital investment because you know part of that is i i'm partnered with somebody so every decision that's made i can own it's like it's like um you know you can you're capped out even if I can do more or he could do more, you were capped by one, one or the other. Uh, how long we could go without getting paid, how much money we have there to invest. So um, that that's a little bit more tricky when you have a, a partner. Um, and luckily, I have a really great partner that was willing to make sacrifices with me. What's not hard at all for me, not taking a pay for a, a full quarter really isn't that hard because I don't get that fancy about money. Like I don't, I don't, I don't own my home right now. And like, maybe that's silly, but I, I spent a long time to save money and put money away 
and I'll get a home eventually when it feels right. Um, I got a good deal on rent, but I, I'm not fancy like that. I, and the money doesn't really, I didn't, I didn't do this for the money. I did this for the collaboration and the creative and, and what, what's the possibility out of this. And, and a lot of people are so impatient in going after the money. And that's hard when you're chasing the money. I mean, for business owners, don't get me yeah, wrong. We yeah. have to be really, really hyper-focused on the money. I mean, we have lives at stake like that makes sense. But at the same time, I'm not driven by the money. I'm, I'm driven by just continuing to get better and improving it and constantly building on what we're doing. And just the money will follow that. It will. I mean, I know it does. I'm, I'm living proof of it year after year now, like of not having to really worry about those things. So, um, I don't know if I'm getting off track, but no, you're completely on track, man. And I, I mean, you, you've kind of, I love what you're saying. How important, you know, you mentioned being, you mentioned earlier about being really good at saving. Uh, but then you also mentioned, you know, a conversation we've had growing from your profit margin and with that, not spending ridiculously and, 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 and acting like, you know, you're 10 years, 15, 20 years into business when you're really at your one, two, three, even all the way up to five. How important is it for young entrepreneurs or even just early in the in, in the in the age of the business? How how important is it for business owners to live within their means and then put away their cash reserve? Uh, if you're starting a business and you want to build a real business, it's it's vital. Unless you want to dilute the company and you have somebody that can invest in it because it's not the bank. Unless somehow you know something I don't know. I didn't. The bank was not about to give us a loan. They said three years for a line of credit or a loan, three years tax returns. They want to see you're profitable. And then I again I made a post about that. College loans are government backed. Business loans are not. Um, so. If you're not getting, if, but yeah, I mean, you could, you could find somebody with a bunch of money and dilute your, your company right out the gate. Why, like, what are you doing? What are you doing then? Like maybe, and for some companies that makes sense, maybe tech companies or whatnot, but like I'm building a small creative business right now. Like I don't want to dilute it. I I'm, and I believe in it and I'm not doing this just for the money. So the competition too, with that is like, if somebody's just doing the same thing I'm doing and they're going after the money, how are they going to be getting better than me? I'm like, I, I'm only trying to improve on the creative and, and get better creative opportunities um, and, and, and scale that. And, and I've got ideas on what we can build next, but we got to keep building on this, this thing that we've already got. So money is, money is very important in terms of saving and being careful with that. And, you know, I, like I said, I, I saved money for, even when I was a full-time employee, I knew I was going to freelance. I was saving money, saving money, everything I was making, I wasn't spending it so that I could afford the opportunity. When I left that full-time job, I had a year that I, a year runway with my expenses. And I, I mapped it all out where I could not make a single dime and last an entire year. And I was like, I'm good. I'm going to go and I'm going to make this happen. So it's the same thing with business. Give yourself a runway. If you don't give yourself enough runway, you don't give enough time to let the plane take off and just like soar. You know, you gotta, you gotta have, you gotta, and again, we, we know this, like, until the cash flow is really hitting, like those hiring decisions and like you, you, you know, you've got to have, you gotta, you gotta be smart about that. So, um, specifically, I mean, that's, that's all I got there. Yeah, no, that's powerful, man. And again, I think 
we live in a day and age where entrepreneurship just becomes this thing that people aspire to be and look like because of cultural representation versus actually passion for an industry or uh, a product or service. And so you can, you can I want to touch on that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Touch on that. Let's do that because right, yeah, really do quick. It. I don't have, I don't have CEO in my LinkedIn bio or entrepreneur. <laughs> I'm not judging. I'm not judging anybody that does. If you go to our website, it says I'm a creative director. It says my brother's the direct director. Levi's the, the director of photography editor. Nobody knows who actually runs the company. I'm not in it for the allure of being an entrepreneur. I don't even think of myself as an entrepreneur or business owner. I don't care about any of that. Like, and I see you're right. There's so much like, and Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this. It's so like, there's so much grass is greener on the other side. Like, I don't want to be in a full-time job. And it's like, but that doesn't mean that you're, you are the right person to be a business owner. Like you shouldn't do it because it's cool. Like you have to understand like the full-time jobs aren't bad if you find the right place too. And it's, it's self-awareness game. Like, and I'm, yeah, so that. I just, that's all I wanted to chime in really quick. <laughs> no, you're good. Look, I've got the camera going over here. Young business owners don't start a business because you want freedom. Young business owners don't start a business because you want to get rich. Young business owners don't start a business because you don't want to work for somebody because you think it's going to be easier. Because I promise you, all of those things are false hopes that you're going to believe in. And you're going to hit a brick wall and realize that's not the reality of entrepreneurship. And quite frankly, you might hurt a lot of people on the way down if that is your motive. The the thing that I love about Supply House, man, is you guys love what you do, and and it's and it and it comes down to the point of when you love what you do, it is easier to grow it because it's natural to evolve when you're passionate. Passion. Man, it's it's a beautiful thing because again, like I want to say this and I want to and I want to really make this a prominent part of the conversation. When you're passionate about something, you position yourself to evolve naturally. And what that does is it takes the pressure and obligation off of off of the processes, the procedures. It takes the pressure and obligation off of the evolution of a of an employee. It takes the pressure and obligation off of a business owner because you have a means to an end. You know why you're doing it. And if it is a thing or a destination in which you are committed to, you will lose yourself quickly. And what you referred to as earlier, it's burnout. It leads you to burnout because ultimately, if 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 the means of your waking up early, working late hours, having the conversations that are tough with employees or clients, networking when you just feel like you want to go home and spend time and watch movies, you know, with your with your fiance or for with your wife, and it. it I really just wished I really wish that our culture celebrated passionate pursuit versus money, fame, celebrity. And, you know, I, I'm getting I'm getting to be honest with you, I'm getting Facebook, LinkedIn messages like, hey, can we have a conversation? I really want to start building a personal brand. I'm like, sure, why? What are you trying to promote? What are you trying to achieve? Well, I want to be famous. Like I just wanna I wanna be famous. And I'm like, you just you just you just wanna be famous? Like we saw how that worked out for Paris Hilton or, you know, Kim Kardashian. Like it's not to me, that's not sustainable. And sometimes it works for people, but how, I mean, I, you know, and I, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't speak down to that because maybe that is somebody's goal, but ultimately with entrepreneurship, the healthy part that evolves into creates a sec- successful business is passion creating people in an environment in a, in a, in a team that are just as passionate as you that can challenge you, that can push you. And then you guys can grow together because it's what you love. Um, do you, and I, I feel like you guys have, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like you guys have that at Splice House. 
Yeah, I mean, I think everybody that we ha- I'd like I'm I'm s- I love the team we have. We built such a good team. We started with a great team. I mean, uh Levi, my partner is incredible. Adam is amazing, creative and and took right off the gate, right out the gate, like Levi and I are very similar in our style of shooting and Adam has a ton of experience that's different than us. So we just came out the gate with like a strong like core and then Carson coming on and can you really quick can can you break down what all of your team does? Sorry to interrupt. Can you just so we have context like what 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 does everybody do? Well so like Levi, myself and Adam are the primary if you would call shooters, uh, now that's moving my position out of the way. Shooters, DPs, director of photography, camera operator, whatever you want to call it. Um, we have a little, again, our, our market fit is a little different than your traditional production company, which is, we're not exactly the same. And so that is why it's working. Um, so it's, it, that's why I'm saying, like, I don't know if you're calling it a director of photography or a camera op. I don't care what you call it. Um, we, we, we hold a camera and we shoot stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, like, those guys, that, that's what their primary role is. Carson is full-on editor. I have to bounce back and forth. I'm leaning more into the post-production because that's the – I've found that that's where I really like to be. And, um, and, and – Adam and Levi do not like that. And I was like, well, I'll take that because I actually kind of don't want to be out and about shooting all day long. And then we have a project manager. We haven't introduced her yet. So we, we will be introducing her soon. It's, it's her own personal. She just wants to kind of stay behind the scenes. Um, and then um, Courtney Sanchez, who was actually a former client of ours and was just incredible, one of the, the most incredible clients. She was so good with communication. She was so good. She didn't even come from like video production background, uh, but she was really good at interviewing people on set and she did understand a little bit about it, but we really brought her in as a training and like uh, potential because of how awesome she is as a human being. And she's the one that the clients are dealing with the most or, and that, that hire too, when you're talking about hiring, like sometimes you got to hire before you're ready. I think we, and sometimes I think we jump the gun, but at the same time, I'm like, we're now going into February and, and we've got a ton of stuff on the books. And like, if we waited and didn't train her up over these last three months, we go into February and trying to make the hire in the midst of like all the stuff that's going on and training. That's a, that's a bad mistake. And I know that's a separate topic, but like, and we talked about that a little bit later. So sometimes you got to hire before you're even ready and just in preparation for growth. But that's pretty much our team and our team is solid. And I, I, it's, it's so scary to some degree as a business owner. Now, I mean, I don't sit there and dwell on it, but now we have a a pretty sizable payroll. I'm not used to that. This is don't, this is the, you know, a new to me, a certain amount of money we have to clear every single month to, to sustain this. And it's a lot larger than what I dealt with with JQ Remedia because I didn't have payroll other than myself. I could just not pay myself. I mean, you know, it's it's changed so much. So like all the talks of the recession and I'm going into different categories here. But like these are the things that like you don't see as a business owner that sit on your shoulders constantly and don't leave. And you have to figure out a way to deal with them and, and deal with them in a way that doesn't, you know, leave you <laughs> – hopeless <laughs> so 
Um, but yeah, I mean, you were talking more about the team and I, 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 we have such a good core right now and, and we're just, we're pushing each other and everybody, I'm not going to speak for everybody. I I'll just speak for myself. That's what I want to say. I won't speak for them, (laughs) but I know if they were here, I know what they would say. Yeah, absolutely, man. No, it's, it's been awesome watching, you know, your team grow and, and honestly, get, and get in front of the camera. Like, I love the social content you guys are putting out. Just the clips, the the quick tips that you guys put out. I love that sound bite right at the beginning as it's about to enter into the, the quick tips. I, I, I watch, like, every one of them, even though some of them just go right over my head. No, man, you have an awesome team. I think you're doing an awesome job, man. And, and uh, I want to respect your time. So, uh, in conclusion, man, I want to ask you one one last question. And it's a you get to choose which audience you're going to speak to. You're, you could choose either you can, you're going to speak to the, the business owners, the marketers, or the creatives. What piece of advice would you give for somebody either starting or looking to take it to the next level, either as a business owner, a marketer, or a creative? Which one do you choose? I have to choose one of the, because I feel like I could answer to all of those. Okay, man, let's go. Let's go. What do I, what the question is, what? Do what do they need? What needs to be done to take it to the next level? What? Yes. Okay. the 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 simple The simple approach to any of those creatives, marketers, or business owners, I think, is really just kind of that Kobe Mamba mentality, where you just like you you know you've got a mission, and whatever anybody says to you or says you can't do this or doesn't believe in you that doesn't affect you you you've got a mission and again when you sent that book to me and dropped it on my doorstep I know that tells me you're a reliable person to deal with and like those soft skills and those skills don't get talked about enough sure you you can work on your creativity all you want and you could be a great creative but if you're showing up late if you're not on time like these things matter and those were probably the biggest differentiator that I did as a freelancer and that anybody can do creative marketer business owner is absolutely be the most reliable person in the room where everyone knows when they get to know you they can count on you for everything all the time and that is what we're trying to implement in the Splice House as an entire team. And that was the morals and values that I had that got me from freelance to building up by basically a company just falling into my lap because I hustled and I was always there and reliable. And I think that is just the one key aspect that you don't necessarily, I mean, there's better, there's better editors than me. There's better shooters. There's better producers, directors. And, you know, we, you know, there's always going to be somebody better than you unless you're Michael Jordan or, well, some people would argue that too, but like, there's always (laughs) going to be somebody better than you. So, you know, you've got to have, you got to have this edge. You got to have something else too. And like people like to work with, with good solid people that, you know, hustle and, and deliver and execute and get it done and don't delay. And so I could keep going on and on, but that's pretty much the theme I would say. Yeah, man. Well, I tell you what, you have, you have the things that you can't fake. And that's why I I have seen the success that you guys have in the now going on two years of being in business. You guys are 
um, man, you're worth looking up to, you're worth referencing, you're worth keeping up with. And that said, plug your socials, man. Um, how can people follow you? How can people hear more? You have your own podcast. Tell them about the podcast and how can people be connected to what you and Splice House are doing right now? Yeah, we got, you know, Splice House is pretty much the name of the game. That's S-P-L-Y-C-E. The Splice House was uh, trying to make it you know, URL friendly when we were building that out and it kind of looked cool. And by the way, a lot of people think Splice was like, oh, you guys are a film company, Splice and Film. That is actually not why. Have I told you that? And we don't have to no. go into that, but it was actually... No, please do. Hold on, please really do. Really quick, because people just assume that and we'll just start talking about... Like, it doesn't happen that often, but people will talk about it like that. And I'm like, you didn't... You just, you just think that that's what it is. Like... 100%, but that's not it. It was my business partner and I are very competitive and he's a huge KU fan and I went to Mizzou and I don't know if you know much about that rivalry, but they used to be one of the biggest ones outside of Duke UNC and I hate KU and he hates Mizzou and he's on the ill side, the Illinois side, and I'm on the Missouri side and we just have all these feuds like that, like we're just like so competitive but then we're here bringing each other together and then also just like splicing creatives that we want to work with together so it really had nothing to do with splicing film together it was and i wasn't even thinking about that when the name came about it was like what does our brand represent and that was actually it so that's amazing dude and honestly i like that name even better now uh it's catchy but i will say I kid you not, I about wore my KU shirt here today. You're a KU fan? <laughs> listen, no. no, yes and no, yes and no. Oh, dude, you got to get Levi on the show. Hey, listen, hey, listen, man. It, next time, I would love to do a three-way call and get Levi in the game. Sure. I think you guys can go back and forth and just really feed off each other. But I, I swear to God, <laughs> I, I had a KU shirt pulled out today. I would have called you out it. on it right away. <laughs> I'm sure you would have, man. I, but, oh, my god! But gosh, I'm less – I'm like – I love the rivalry. I don't really – he gives – like, he'll have to text me when Mizzou is playing KU and just text me the whole game about how bad we are. If we were beating him, I'm not the type to, like, rub it in. So he's a yeah, little yeah, bit yeah. more aggressive than me. So I wouldn't I wouldn't care if you were actually wearing a KU shirt. But, yeah, I mean, Splice House <laughs> is, is the – where you can find us. The pre-pro podcast is our podcast, which – you know, we, we can only roll out so much because you know how, how we try to film it and do it all and trying to schedule everything. And we, we've just had some trouble, but we're going to try to keep pushing for that because that, that's really cool and giving a voice to other creatives in St. Uh, Louis right now, but hopefully more than that. So that's it. <laughs> yeah, man. Keep doing what you're doing, man. I appreciate you. Appreciate your time. Uh, we'll be in touch again. Uh, yes, you guys can hear this on the Double Click Podcast. If you have any questions for Jake or any comments or feed feedback, please don't hesitate. Um, you know, I, I, we're not going to put his number or email out there, but you can find him on social, Splice House, uh, Instagram. You can find him on uh, YouTube, LinkedIn, on and on and on and on. Um, he's awesome. We appreciate you, man. We look up to you and looking forward to talking again, brother. Yes, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Always good talking to you. Likewise, brother. All Talk right, soon. Thanks. See you.